another episode of Live Planted. I'm your host, Alyssa. If you're new around here, Live Planted is all about living a practical, sustainable, vegan, and kind life. There's no one right way to do it, which is why I try to bring you different perspectives, different guests every single week. There's a new episode every single Tuesday. Some Tuesdays you have me alone talking about a single topic, going very in depth about it. And other weeks we are interviewing people, getting to know more about their lifestyle. So today we have Megan Weldon, AKA Zero Waste Nerd. You will hear about her story and how she makes zero waste practical coming up. Next week, if you are in the United States, is Labor Day. So we may or may not have an episode. I cannot guarantee anything right now. If you do get one, congratulations. It's a little bit of a bonus. I am not quite done with it yet, so it might not be ready. Because today's interview is a little bit long, I want to get straight into it and skip the shout outs. But if you don't know, we usually do shout outs every single week where you can ask a question, hear yourself featured on the podcast, hear your Instagram name read on the podcast, and you can ask me over on Instagram. I am at liveplanted, where I try to post almost every single day. I do have a story every single day. I'm talking about zero waste. I'm talking about fermenting and pickling and bread making and vegan foods, whatever is on my mind, I'm talking about over there. Thrifting, I usually share my sustainable outfit every morning on my stories. So you can check me out. I am at Live Planted. Everything is always linked in the description as well. And if you'd like to support the show, there is Live Planted merch, which helps keep the microphone on around here. And anybody who orders the week that you're hearing this, which is August 27th, 2019, you will get a free sticker with your order of a tote or a pin. There's no code necessary. I will see that your order came in during this week and you will get a free sticker with your order. So this week we're talking to Megan Weldon. She is also known as Zero Waste Nerd. She made the switch to consciously making less waste in 2015 after an Earth Day revelation. She's a mother, a plastic-free advocate, and wants to leave a legacy that isn't a mountain of trash. She's been featured on Mind Body Green, Tree Hugger, Martha Stewart, and Huffington Post, to name a few. So let's get straight into it. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thanks for having me. You have an interesting going zero waste story. Can you fill us in for those who aren't familiar? Yeah. Well, it all started on Earth Day in 2015 because of a trash pickup around my neighborhood. And I'm not sure what was different about this litter pickup because I've always done them. But there was something about this one that just sparked this idea in my mind that I should venture forth on eliminating all my waste. And I'd always kind of called myself an quote unquote environmentalist like many of us do. Mm-hmm. And it was always fun for me because I always tried to find some way to commemorate Earth Day. We we always planted trees or we go to berry farm. One year I planted a garden. This year it was middle of the work week. I was feeling ultra lazy, but I knew I'd be mad at myself if I didn't do something. So I just decided to grab a couple trash bags, ironically, um, and walk around my neighborhood to pick up trash. And it's not a very big neighborhood. It's pretty small. I remember filling up 
probably three to five bags just full of waste. I was getting so frustrated and so angry at the fact that the community was so trashy and how could the people that lived around the neighborhood not have any ownership and and just no care whatsoever about where their trash went. And I was just so mad at all of these people I didn't even know. And whenever I got back to my house, I go to open my bin and put these bags of waste in my own bin and they wouldn't fit because my garbage cans were already overflowing with my own garbage. I had that aha moment of, yeah, my trash isn't littered around the neighborhood, but I feel like I'm just as wasteful. I'm a hypocrite. That's how I felt towards myself. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to do. And like any millennial who gets obsessed with an idea, you jump on Google and do all this research <laughs> to figure out, you know, what can I do? And that's whenever I came across Bea Johnson and read that her family of four creates almost zero trash in an entire year. And at first I was like, this is pure bunk. There's no way this is possible. This is crazy talk. And I think I read and reread her blog two or three times. And finally, I was convinced this is legit. Like this could be a possibility. Mind you, she lives in an area where there's a lot of access. And I know we'll talk more about that later. But I live you know, in the Midwest where I feel like we get everything five years later. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, let's see how close I can get. Let's see how close to zero I can get. And I got obsessed with this idea to completely reduce my waste to zero. And this was pre-Oliver. Oliver is my three-year-old. This is pre-Oliver, so it was probably a little easier for me at the time. And it just started from there. And I always use myself as an example of what not to do, which was rip the Band-Aid off, go cold turkey, and don't do that. If you've never been on a trash pickup, your eyes will be opened because I did one this past Earth Day as well. Once you start looking, there is literally trash everywhere. But we're so programmed to just not see it, to walk by. It's just sort of like part of our regular environment that you don't realize how many cigarette butts, how many little pieces of plastic, how many water bottle lids, how many actual just water bottles are thrown out. It's all over the ground, but you don't even realize until you're zeroed in on it. Oh, I know. And these trash goggles are on now. And Mm -hmm. it's it's almost depressing because it's all you see all the time. And it causes all of this eco-anxiety in us because we're always focused on the bad and the negative. And it's more of the awareness. And now we're seeing it. And I feel like it's our responsibility to make other people aware so that maybe as a whole, this problem gets less of a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. So speaking of eco-anxiety, in an interview with Martha Stewart, you said a lot of people say, oh, zero waste living is easy, but it's not. Sometimes it can be very hard. Where you live and what you have or don't have access to can also completely change how you approach zero waste. And I completely agree. There are days when it would be much simpler to drink the bottled water, to eat the prepackaged mm-hmm. snacks, to forget about making your own meals. Let's just go for the convenience. How do you push through on the hard and frustrating days? Because it's not always the easier option, correct? Oh, yeah, I know. Even after four years of doing this, it, there are still days it's like, nope, I can't do this. It's just, it's too much. And 
I have to keep telling myself that zero waste, low waste, it's not about overcomplicating things. The goal isn't to stress me out or stress anybody out. It's supposed to simplify your life. It's supposed to make things easier. The important thing is, is you have to be understanding and gentle with yourself. You have to realize that perfection will never and should never be the end goal because you'll just drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem I always find myself is I'm a perfectionist. And it's like, if there's anything worth doing, it's worth doing perfect. And it can be kind of damaging to always be mad that, oh, I got a receipt or I got a straw in my cup. Sometimes I opt for a pizza. Sometimes I opt for a sub sandwich. You just have to find that balance between life and doing the best you can. That is, I think, what propels me to not obsess over perfection and just get myself down because we don't have 24-7 convenience bulk stores on every corner where we're like, you know, I'm hungry. I'm just going to go down here to the convenience store and get me some package-free pasta. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just finding the balance between what works on those crazy days and then just be accepting and kind to yourself that sometimes your best is a pizza. And I know before you've talked about how like you want to leave a legacy that isn't a mountain of trash, especially as you're a mother now. And sometimes that helps too, just feeling like, okay, I have a purpose. I'm not leaving a bunch of trash mm-hmm. for my convenience for somebody else, because there is a next generation. There is other people that want to inhabit the earth and not have it be a landfill. Right. So let's talk about the main switches you made to help you make less trash. You realize a lot of your trash was made in the kitchen but what were the switches that you made to help you make less trash? One of the most impactful changes I made is composting. The more I read and the more I really assessed what I was throwing away, it was it was about two-thirds organic. It was paper, cardboard, food scraps. I mean, it was things that would naturally break down in compost. Fortunately for me, I had my own yard space. So it was not inconvenient at all for me to, on a weekend, go outside and you know put four posts in the ground and put chicken wire around it. And ta-da, here's my compost pile. Probably not perfect at first, probably not, you know, buy the book, but it was a way for me to divert probably 60% of my waste right out of the gate from the landfill. It was really little to no effort at all. And and then there's other ways you can compost too. I know a lot of people live in places that don't have yards, apartments. There are so many amazing apps like sharewaste.com that connects you with neighbors who have compost that allow you to come to their property and give them your compost. And then there's, you know, community gardens that will take it. And there's compost drop-offs and compost pickup programs. So really, I think even five years later, four years later, there's a lot of options to compost. That is such a huge impact if you can do that. Other than that, since a lot of my waste was food packaging, I had to really assess my diet, what I was eating. And it really was a benefit more than just the waste. I was spending a lot of money on packaged food, processed food, fast food, a lot of things that just weren't healthy for me. It not only helped me reduce food packaging by choosing wholer foods like whole vegetables and bread, but it helped me reduce my money expense for my groceries and also helped improve my health quite a bit. So changing what I ate and composting were the two biggest changes that impacted my waste. 
And we should mention about composting. For some reason, composting comes with a stigma that it's scary, it's smelly, it's hard to do. There's like a bunch of rules and people are like, well, I've never done it. I don't know anything about it, so I couldn't get into it. It's literally rotting food, rotting scraps, organic matter. And it can be the most simple or complicated process depending on what you choose. For my kitchen, I literally put it in a bucket, in an airtight bucket in my laundry room, and then when that fills up, I dump it in my compost pile, top it off with some compost that's already in it so it's covered, and that's all I do. I don't turn it, I don't water it, I'm not doing an active compost pile, so it can be very simple. Oh yeah, I think we tend to overcomplicate most things. <laughs> I mean, there's a science to it, and I know there's all these books, and it can be really intimidating at first because a lot of people are passionate about it, and so they write all this material about the science behind composting and, and what to do, what not to do, how to do it perfect, but again, it's not about perfection, it's about getting the job done. You put organics outside, nature will take care of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nature and knows what to if do. If you want to use it for something, if you have a garden going and you want to use your compost in the garden, then you can have a more active pile where you're turning it, you're making sure the temperature is high, that it's keeping in the temperature in the winter. But if you're not, if you're just looking to reduce your waste, throw it out there. It will take care of itself. Right. Yep, exactly. Just what you said. If, if you want to do more with it, you can put more thought and energy into it. But really, if your end goal is just reduce your food waste and divert waste from the landfill, then dump it and forget. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about cooking at home. Before going zero waste, you said you ate a lot of fast food and now you cook at home all the time, but said that that switch wasn't simple for you. What tools did you use to get through the switch? Yeah. So again, convenience, we're just cultivated on convenience. Whenever you go to work all day and come home, the last thing you want to do is spend another hour, two hours in the kitchen making a meal. I knew if I just decided to shock the system and go all in to making every meal at night, it wouldn't last long. It'd probably last one to two weeks, maybe. And then I would probably regress back to my old habits. And that's not what I wanted to do. I took a couple of days a week. I said, this day and this day are the days that I'm going to change things up and cook a meal with as minimal packaging as I possibly can. And I did those two days a week until it became habitual and normal and comfortable. And then I would slide in another day or two for the week to kind of make that more of a normal routine as well. So I kind of built up to cooking at home more often so that it wasn't, oh my gosh, this is too much work. I'm going to stress out and freak out. I can't do this. Easing my way into it was how I maintained doing it. And then once I had the routine down, it started getting harder to figure out what I'm going to cook. I don't know what it is about cooking, but before I always felt like every meal needed to be like a four course fancy meal with all these fancy ingredients. I had to change my mindset about a meal. A weeknight meal does not have to be restaurant menu quality food. It just needs to be tasty and simple and minimalist. So I really had to put that minimalist perspective into what I ate. That helped a lot to reduce all the stress about what I'm going to make for dinner. (laughs) Pinterest is also really helpful if you need ideas for what to make for dinner. So I've turned to Pinterest 
about every single week. <laughs> and then finally, meal prepping. That's probably the biggest key player in cooking at home is taking the time to plan out your meals every single week. If you get ahead of the game, plan out every single meal and know exactly what you're going to fix and what you're going to prep for lunches or kids lunches or whatever, it really makes the week simple because you get home from work and you already have a plan of attack. I know I'm making this. So I took every Sunday as my day to assess what I already had in my fridge in my pantry because you don't want to make more food waste. And I came up with a plan for the week with what I already had and then what I needed to buy. And as long as I followed that routine, things were pretty okay. As soon as I skipped that prep step, things got a lot more difficult. Yeah, a lot of times I like to think about it as I'm helping my future self. Sometimes you just don't want to spend that Sunday or whatever day it is doing prep work for later. You're like, eh, I'd rather be outside. It's so nice out today. But I always think like my future self is going to be really thankful that I've taken Mm -hmm. all this work off the plate. So when you have something like that, just think about yourself in the future and you're just basically giving yourself a little pat on the back, a little, (laughs) little help. (laughs) I mean, have you ever been mad at yourself like throughout the week? Like, man, I'm mm-hmm. so mad at myself for prepping this meal for myself every time. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so since we're talking about cooking, let's talk about bulk. It is always seen as the mecca of zero wasters. And it doesn't mean the end of your chance at less waste if you don't have access, correct? Correct. Yeah, I get so sad whenever I hear people say, well, I don't have bulk, so I guess I can't do it. It's like, no, no, no. Bulk shopping is just a tiny piece (laughs) of the whole puzzle to our trash problem. And I grew up in a town of 6,000 people. So whenever it comes to limited access, I know exactly what that is. We had one grocery store. The next closest grocery store was Walmart, and that was 45 minutes away. This one grocery store in town was all we had access to. I mean, it was not even a big grocery store. I think it had a 20 foot produce aisle and not a lot of options. You have to think of other ways to reduce your waste. I have some ways that you can considerably reduce your waste without needing package free food. Again, if you live in an area where you don't have access to bulk, but you can still compost, there's like 60% of your trash. Everybody can say, nope, I don't need that plastic bag. I hate to say everybody can. I mean, I know that there's problems with actually nobody can do zero but another one I always find to be helpful in in shopping at a store that doesn't have bulk is trying to avoid the plastic packaging so for instance if you need some rice and you see a box of rice in cardboard and you see a bag of rice in plastic it would make more sense to choose the one in cardboard and then after you've used the rice take the cardboard box recycle the cardboard or compost the cardboard board and then nothing goes to landfill. Whereas the plastic bag inevitably will end in a landfill or buy the largest container you possibly can. If you go through a lot of rice and you can buy a 25 pound bag of rice, something that won't go bad in a short amount of time, opt for that. It saves packaging. 
Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the bulk come to the store in the largest pack package available. So maybe yep. the rice in the bulk bin comes in a 25 pound bag. They only come so big so that someone can actually carry them into the store and turn it over and not spill when they're filling up the bulk bins. Like you have to think about the step before the bulk bin as well, because a lot of people are just like, oh, I wouldn't buy that because it's in packaging. Well, the bulk bin did come in packaging right. at one point. Yeah, and shopping bulk isn't technically zero waste. It might be zero waste on the consumer level, but as for the store level, it's coming in packaging. It's just whenever you shop bulk, you're creating less packaging by not having that 25-pound bag divvied up into a ton of smaller packages. Mm -hmm. So I will link to a blog post that you have with seven ways to reduce packaging without bulk bins because there's also some other tips in there if people want to read it. It seems like you do a lot of DIY in your household. You do cleaning supplies, toothpaste. You even made cloth wipes when your baby was younger. There's always a lot of mystery around DIYs if you haven't attempted DIYs in general or even just that DIY. Can you tell us about a flop or two and then Mm -hmm. some more successful DIYs? (laughs) Sure. First of all, DIY, I always use as not like the solution to reducing waste, but a fun experimental way to maybe find a low waste option that works better than any product you can purchase. One time I made ketchup (laughs) and I think it turned, it was like ketchup jelly. It was disgusting. I'm not even sure what happened. A lot of my flops are food related. (laughs) (laughs) Which is easy to have flop, you know, like one wrong move and you could just all of a sudden have jelly. (laughs) I know. I don't even know what happened with that. Well, the first time I made tortillas, they didn't work out so well. They ended up being like some type of cracker tortilla flatbread. They wouldn't fold right. So the tacos turned into like a taco sandwich. Over time, with practice, I got it right. I figured it out. But it's funny how recipes never tend to work out the way that they read online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, some of my favorite ones I've done is lotion. I actually always make my own lotion now because it's better than anything I've ever purchased, which makes me really happy. I don't know what it is about my skin. I must have been a lizard in a past life, but I'm always dry and I'm always cold. So it just makes sense. But this lotion works out really well and I love it. As far as other DIYs, cleaning products are so easy. It's just vinegar and water. And then I also do soap and water. I mean, it's nothing complicated. But I don't try to make too many things myself. Toothpaste and cleaning products are probably the two I make the most often. If I can get it sustainably, if I can purchase it sustainably or package free, I usually go that route just for time. (laughs) I think it's important to mention the flops because I just started baking and I've had a bunch of bread flops because a lot of people don't talk about them. I feel like we just hear the successful recipe, like this is what I use that works because it's not always like glamorous to talk about like I made bread and it was hard as a brick. Like it's not that glamorous, but (laughs) you got to experiment. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. you had to try the tortillas a couple times and then you got it right because you got to figure out okay, what flour do I need? How much do I need? How do I measure it correctly? Maybe I'm in a different elevation than somebody else. Like it just matters where you are and how it works in your kitchen. You got to experiment. Right. And nobody was born an expert in anything. We all, we've all had to start out learning at some point, even the greats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the way, I have been following your bread making journey and you have almost convinced me to go buy a secondhand bread machine. <laughs> 
my gosh, you should. I was just at the thrift store yesterday and there was 12 bread makers. It was unbelievable. They were overflowing at the secondhand stores here too. I mean, there's at least a dozen in every single thrift store I ever go into. And I'm like, what happened, people? Why did you all buy these bread machines and give up? It's unbelievable. The successes I've had in the bread maker have all been the gluten, like regular loaves that I make for my husband. I'm unfortunately gluten-free, so those have been my flops. But it's unbelievable how easy the regular loaves are. I've made all different types of bread. I think I've made like three or four types, making each type like once or twice so far. And they are just like so amazing when they come out, they're rising, you can smell them. And you're like, all I did was put the ingredients in and turn the switch. It's amazing. And who says zero waste can't be convenient? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that seems like less effort than getting in my car, driving to the store, fighting all the people I don't like in the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah. And I already have all the ingredients now. So I just, if I want to make a different type, I just combine my ingredients differently or I add oatmeal in or whatever it is. I highly suggest it. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. I have to. Yeah. And then talk about it because I want to see what you're making. So someone asked me this recently and I thought it was a really interesting and uh, thought-provoking question. And I wanted to ask you, what are your zero waste and sustainable goals for the future? Well, I've been working on this a lot recently, and my goal is to reach out locally and build a huge, I wouldn't say zero waste, but more eco-friendly, environmentally friendly group of individuals in Kansas City to make some real local change. And I think if I can focus my efforts locally and really change how things are done and perceived in my community, that maybe those ideas and things can be moved to any city. And so I think building a local group and really getting people on board locally is such an important step for me. That's so interesting because a lot of times we think like, let me take my talents to the internet. Let me take my knowledge to the internet. I can reach a wider audience. But it is sometimes that we forget we live in this community and we can have an effect there. Mm-hmm. And just in the last year, I guess I was just blind to the fact that there are so many amazing organizations and businesses and people locally that are already doing amazing things. And it's just getting these people together and looking at our city and questioning how things are done and asking, you know, is this the best way we can do this? And why don't we have better recycling options? And why don't we have better composting systems? And why don't we have all these things? Whenever we can come together as a group, we can really influence how the city makes decisions whenever it comes to sustainability. Whereas one person talking about sustainable living on the internet, by myself, I would have probably little to no influence on how Kansas City runs anything in regards to sustainability. Mm-hmm. I just watched a really interesting video where a lady took people around her city, she lives in Portland, and showed them how to secondhand shop. And she talked all about like the effect of buying secondhand for less waste. And it looked like the most fun day. And I was like, this is making a difference in your direct community. And a lot of times people think you have to go and like, petition the city and do all sorts of like legislation, which isn't as fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. But you can also do something where you're gathering up your community and showing them how to make a difference, which has a huge impact because all those people are going to take it home. They're going to practice it. Hopefully they're going to tell their friends and family about it. And that can Mm -hmm. be another fun way to affect your community. 
That does sound fun. I know. And even I was like, why don't I live there? <laughs> I know. Even organizing a park cleanup can have such a huge impact on the awareness that people might not have had beforehand and other people driving by and saying, oh, look at these group of people that are actually taking the time to beautify a local park. And then that spark an interest or some awareness. And it kind of just grows from there. So even simple things can make a huge impact. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many other people would love to interact in your city and do a trash pickup, which you're like, does anyone else want to do this? They do. I can tell you, I did a trash pickup on Earth Day and I did it with my mom and she is someone who can talk to anybody. And she was just getting people involved left and right. And we had a group of people picking up trash with us by the end of the time we were doing it. It's also really fun to meet like-minded people and Mm -hmm. it's another way to get people together and put ideas together and it's just a lot of fun. For sure. So if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Zero Waste Nerd and then I also have a blog, ZeroWasteNerd.com. I will link everything and thank you so much for joining the podcast today, Megan. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. So that's it. That's everything for today's podcast. Remember, there may or may not be an episode next week. So until then, remember to live planted. Bye, guys.